Hi! Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I'm here today with Amanda, and we will be reviewing a handful of books that we've read recently, both old and new, and I will be opening with a rant on adults giving kids negative messages and how we can combat this through story. (laughs) So, Amanda, we have not talked yet today, so I did not tell you about what happened this morning with my girls, but... I was taking my 15-year-old to dance, and we pick up her best friend and give her a ride to and from as well. And on the drive home, we were catching up, and her friend said that she's doing so good in track this year that she has already started being told by her coaches that she will very likely be eligible for some college scholarships if she stays on, on course, which is awesome. Like, she's been working so hard. And... Um, then she was like, you know, but I, I don't even know what good that would be because I doubt I'm going to go to college. I don't know what I would even go for. And Anar's like, well, I thought you told me you wanted to be a doctor. And she's like, well, I was told that I'm not smart enough, so I need to pick something different. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> like internally, like all my like mom rants have already started going, right? And Inara is on the same wavelength as me. And she's like, who? who is they? And she's like the specialist who did some testing when I was 12. So for four years, she's been carrying this burden around. And she said that the specialist told her when she was 12, that because of her ADHD and dyslexia, that she was not smart enough to pursue something like being a doctor, because she had told them that's what she wanted to do, even in that meeting. And that she would never be able to learn a foreign language and that she should really change what she wanted to do because she wouldn't be able to do anything in the maths and sciences. So obviously my brain is exploding at this point. And I told her that I was told the same thing as a kid, very young, that I should limit and change what I wanted to pursue because I wasn't intelligent enough. and that I've come to realize as an adult, I could have done any of the things that I wanted to do. And I just would have needed to make some adaptations for myself and that it was completely possible and something I could have done. And so I was telling her, I was like, you know, I reject that outright. You can do anything that you set your mind to if you work hard enough for it. And Eric was talking to me, I was telling him about this right before we started. And he was talking about this math teacher who went into an inner city school where most of these kids weren't past fourth grade math and it was a high school class and he's like I'm teaching them calculus and they were all like you're crazy and he did it and it's just like you have to have the right teacher and someone who's motivated to help you at where you're at and bring you up to where you need to be but we talked a little bit you know and I could just tell she was still dejected when we dropped her off and we'll talk more later and when we were pulling out I turned to my daughter and I was just like I just want you to know those because those are also her limitations, right? She's dyslexic and she has ADHD. I was like, that is not true. You can work hard and you can find ways to make these things work if it's what you really want. And she's like, oh, I know. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, like I read that book that you got me about Anna Pavlova and which I thought was perfect because we had just finished it ballet, you know, and she's like that book about Anna Pavlova and she had really Um, She was really weak and really short. And so she had been told that she couldn't dance 
at the same level as everyone else because she was too short to be at the same height that they were and she couldn't go on her tiptoes the same way that they did. And so she just created the toe shoe that we use today for point because it had a wooden toe and it gave her height and it held her foot differently in order to give her the stability to help counteract her genetic issues that caused weakness. Where did you read that? Like, I was thinking maybe it was like the Messner biography. And she was like, oh, no, it's just in that picture book that you got me swan because the illustrations were so pretty. And so I just I read it in that one. Like, that's where they had specifically gone into the toe shoe aspect. And I was just like, I am so glad that my daughter has been feeding herself from our library with all these positive stories of overcomers so that when she's faced with this message from her best friend that another adult said, you can't do this, that she was like, Pshaw, I can do whatever I want. It might not look like what people were expecting, <laughs> but there is a way. And uh, I'm still like really upset about this right now. But that I, that is so upsetting. I yeah. feel like I mean, I think that's pretty common among sports. I was I ran cross country in high school and one of my teammates was an amazing runner. She was, you know, eligible for all sorts of scholarships. But she told me really similar things about, well, I'm a great runner, but I don't have I'm not smart enough. You know, you're smarter than I am. If we put our both of ourselves together, we would actually be a good student. <laughs> to be eligible for these scholarships and make good use of them. And it was such a limiting belief. And it's just, it's so frustrating. You know, my husband's dyslexic and he's an engineer and like, there's some advantages. He's not advantages. He's learned to cope in ways that, you know, he, he hears something once and he remembers it forever because it's so hard to read. Right. And so he, he did really well at math and science because he was able just to listen verbally and or listen in classes and then not have to study. Right. So yeah. it's, it's I will so say his memory is insane because we play board games together, the four of us on Friday nights, and your husband's card counting drives me mad because <laughs> he knows what everyone has all the time. He just well, has to I, see it once and he memorizes it. I realized it was a coping mechanism because mm -hmm. it's so hard to read that yeah. he had to remember everything in class and then he wouldn't have to read the book. Yeah. So um, there's there that challenges. new book that just came out that um, Russ Ramsey wrote, Rembrandt is in the Wind, and it's about art. And it, I've just started reading it. It just came this week, so I'm not very far into it. But I really like this quote from it, and it says, Story is the Trojan horse for truth. It can sneak past the gates of our defenses and prepare our hearts to hear things we might have resisted if they came as mere declaration. And I was just thinking like today, Inara's heart was prepared for me to say that's false in a way mm -hmm. that she may have just been like, oh, sure, my mom just wants to tell me good things about myself. If she hadn't already had her heart prepared by that swan story to be like yeah what my mom is saying is true like I've seen this play out in other people's lives in these books that I've read that are true stories you know not just fiction stories but people's actual experiences and so I just I really liked that story is a Trojan horse for truth well I like that too but you tell this friend yeah of Anaris I went to a school an engineering school with a 50% dropout rate 
And it was not that people were not smart. It was that people were so used to being smart that they weren't prepared to put in the work. So it's the people who put in the work that succeed. Very true. You just got to show up. Show Thank up and do it. Me out on that, Amanda, <laughs> and everyone well, else. That, that's stuck that with is it. really upsetting. Yeah, it's upsetting that adults put stumbling blocks before children. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like she just, like I did as a kid, she just decided she wasn't even going to try for it anymore. Like it was just this is the way it's going to be. So I hope that she's able to find some some peace and truth in her heart on this and in her identity. But I'm really glad for my daughter that she a firm foundation and self-confidence and being able to overcome these mm-hmm. stumbling blocks and extra challenges. But today we were going to talk about some of the other books that we've read recently. Do you want to go ahead and show us some that you brought? Well, this might be less thrilling for some people, but I told you <laughs> I've been reading about goats because mm-hmm. we're getting goats. So this one isn't my favorite. The story's guide to raising goats is a lot better, but I skimmed through this one and finished it this week. So there's that one. Great. So we'll put the other one in the story notes. Yes. Put the other one in the notes. Yeah, That one was a lot better. So what have you been reading this week? Well, some of my books actually seem to come in little pairs, which I thought was kind of fun. So right here I have At Our House, which is a counting book, and Grow Kind. And At Our House is by... Isabel Munhos Martins and Grow Kind is by John Lasser and Sage Sage Foster Lasser. And they both have adoptive families in them. And so this one has two little girls from Asia who have been adopted. And then this one, it's not as obvious because it's a counting book mostly, but it says like in our house, we have six heads and 40 fingers, 10 thumbs. And so I was noticing that there were like different colored skins. And then right here we have people lying out in the sun and they definitely aren't all matching in skin tones. So I thought that was pretty fun. They have six tummies and they like to sunbathe on the balcony. I like how the dog is one of the sunbathers on the balcony, but I thought it was just kind of a, a fun way to do body identification. They have all the different bones and how many of each bone is represented in their, in their family. So I thought it would lead to a a fun project of doing that with your own family, like counting how many bones you have and how many whatever you have when the whole whole family is taken into account. And then Grow Kind is part of a, a series. It looks like there's also Grow Happy and Grow Grateful, but my library did not have those. But these little girls are just taking all the produce from their garden and passing it out around their neighborhood, even to people who they're kind of nervous about like the elderly gentleman who lives alone and has been kind of grumpy about kids being on his grass. They took him flowers and he liked that. So I thought these were, were two just nice little fun, fun picture books that stood out to me. And when I read one, I was like, oh yeah, there's another adoptive family in this stack that I wasn't expecting to to find, which is always fun. What about I love you? that. Well, a story on that, we've been trying to get to know our neighbors and we live out in the country and 
people who move out to the country move out to the country often because they want to get away from people. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, so I have been finding it's much easier to go get to know your neighbors if you have something like from your garden to give to them. Mm-hmm. And so I'll show up at people's store and they'll be like, what are you doing here? I don't want to <laughs> see you. Lettuce? Would you like some lettuce? I'd like to meet you, please. That's good. Anyway, so this week, I, this past week, I was at the hospital with my mom who was uh, intubated. And that's really frustrating. I had not been with someone in the hospital who had been intubated before. And it's really frustrating when you can't talk and you're bored. And you're in the hospital. Can't tell anyone what you want. So I was really glad I brought uh, more stories from Grandma's Attic. I couldn't find my copy of just Grandma's Attic or stories from Grandma's Attic. Um, so I had the second one. And I was able to read to her. And it was something less frustrating for her to do yeah. and to listen to. And they're just funny stories. Uh, they're there's definitely a Christian, they're definitely from a Christian perspective, and they're just really funny and nostalgic, and I've been These are struggling. her memoirs, correct? Like, these are the author's stories yes. from her childhood. Yeah. Yes. So, one of them is about getting in trouble for dressing up a pig as a baby and swapping it with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're just fun stories, and I've been struggling with um, trying to do the reading challenge. So I decided this is going to be my book that makes you laugh. So I'm going to finish it, even though I'm not at the hospital anymore. And then another one I got from the library. Uh, I get this periodically from the library because my daughter loves it. It's Ernestine's Milky Way. And it's it's a great one. The little girl is five in it, and her father's away at war. And it's about how she helps the family while her father's away. And she has a lot of responsibility for a five-year-old. She she has to carry milk to her neighbors. They're definitely you know, pitching in and helping each other while, you know, it's a small farming community while their their spouses are not available. And it's it's just so much fun. There's exploring or there's walking through different parts of the forest and uh so my five-year-old loves it and it's just one of those ones that we get from the library every once in a while and just loves to read it i love that well since you just gave a review from your five-year-old i think this is a great time to introduce our new feature which is our mailbag so we have received some book reviews from some of the kids that we know from our facebook group and I'm just going to share one of the reviews that we have here. So Emery B, age 10, wrote in and she said, this is one of my favorite books of all time. And her book was Mandy by Julie Andrews. And she said, Mandy is an orphan who lives in an orphanage. She feels like she's looking for something, but she doesn't know what it is. Sometimes she'll just start crying for no reason at all. There's a wall that separates the orphanage property from the neighbor's property. And one day she decides to climb it. When she gets to the other side, she follows the path that leads to an abandoned cottage. She decides to secretly take care of it like it's her own. She works in a store on Saturdays. And with the money, she buys flowers for the garden, lunch ingredients for her meals there, and cleaning supplies. 
when she started taking care of the cottage, she would have never imagined what would happen to her next. You'll wish there's a second book. I think girls who love gardening and housekeeping would like this book, like Jessie Alden does in The Boxcar Children. She does steal and lie to keep her secrets, but she confesses eventually and returns what she stole. I've read this book three times because it's so good. I hope you enjoy my favorite book. So oh, that's I, fun. Yeah, I reached out to Emery's mom after I read this, and I asked her if Emery had read Dandelion Cottage because it sounded very similar to Dandelion Cottage, and she said she hadn't. So now Emery is reading Dandelion Cottage, and then she's going to get back to us with a kids review on that one too. So if your kids have a review and they want to reach out to us, they can go ahead and contact us through the show notes with those. But what were you going to say, Amanda? I was going to say, it sounds just like Dandelion Cottage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wonder, it's probably going to be one of those situations where kids who um, went in our read, what was it? She read... She read two books at the same time, Anne of Green Gables and Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. And she came to me and she's like, I need to know which one of these was written first. And I was like, oh, why? And she's like, because I want to know who copied the other person. (laughs) So then we went down that whole rabbit hole. But yeah, so I think this is really fun. This does. I haven't read this. I have it on my shelf and I am very interested in reading it now because I want to see how it compares to Dandelion Cottage. And I think the main difference probably would be that Mandy... Sounds like she's doing it by herself, whereas Mm -hmm. Danny Lane Cottage is a a small group of girls. So those could be some really fun books to build on on top of the Boxcar Children book if this is a theme that your your child is into. So I really am excited about these kid reviews that we've started getting in, and I'm looking forward to sharing some more with people. But then I will go ahead and share what I had here. So this this is kind of funny. So... I had lunch with my mom and sisters yesterday because it was my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. And I was recapping, just narrating some of the picture books that I've read recently that I've really enjoyed. And one of them that I was telling them about is this one, Ama Far Away. And I told them, I was like, I read this book and it was just brilliantly written because I almost didn't finish reading it. I read the first half and I was just like, this is awkward. I feel awkward. Like, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like this writing is kind of choppy. It's kind of like, I'm not really feeling jazzed. And then about halfway through, when the little girl starts to feel more comfortable with the language now that because she's in this other country, right? She's seeing her grandma in person for the first time and acclimating to this new country. And it's not been smooth transition. But now she's like starting this, this event happens and she's feeling so much more comfortable in her own skin and with her grandma and with her cousins. And the writing style doesn't really like change visibly, but I was like, it feels so much smoother and I feel happy and I feel like I'm reading faster. And then I was reading the notes at the end. The author did it on purpose. They wanted you to feel as uncomfortable as she did. I was like, well, they nailed it. Okay. I almost walked away as the adult being like, I don't even know what's going on here. (laughs) So um, they have this writing style that she uses, even just the places where she puts the pauses in a sentence. It's like Ama showed her the city she loved. So like when I'm reading this, it just like it doesn't flow very well. And then the second half of the book, she's using basically all the same sentences that she used in the beginning, only in reverse. And 
So now everything that was a negative is a positive. And so I'm like, it opens with like when they're having their little Zoom times on the computer back home, the grandma is telling stories to the granddaughter. The grandma is trying to communicate with the granddaughter. And now that like the granddaughter actually has this established relationship, once she gets home, she's telling stories to the grandma. She's talking to the grandma. She's communicating and all this. So I thought it was really well done on being able to convey that awkwardness that you could feel when you're just being plopped into another culture. And I had that experience when I was a kid. My dad's college roommate was from the Philippines. He was Filipino. And I went with him because I was all about the good food that I knew his mom always made. And so I went with him to a family reunion, which ended up being like a hundred people in this small room. And so we walked in. I completely had sensory overload. I was terrified. No one was speaking English. Nothing smelled like what I was used to. And I ran. I like ran and hid behind a tree. I was like 10, 9 or 10. And his his mother, who doesn't speak English, and but who I knew, and his sister, who spoke some English, they eventually, he came out and like threatened me, right? Like, you need to come in, you need to just do it. And he like had my parents on the phone and they're like, just go in, Amber. And I'm like, I'm, I, I will sit here behind the street for the rest of the day. And then the mother and sister came out and the mom is just, you know, hugging me and petting my hair. And she brought some cookies and the sister's <laughs> just like telling me wonderful things about myself and like how glad they are to see me. And so they were able to coax me in. And then I ended up having a very enjoyable time and the food was delicious, just like I knew it would be. But I felt that in this book, mm-hmm. I felt that awkwardness of the new sounds, the new sights, all of that. Um, but in this book, the event that changes things for them is when they go to the hot springs and they're doing this, this hot spring bathing time together. And she loved water. She loved warm water. She was just able to completely cut loose and enjoy her time with her grandma. And so that leads me to the next book that I found at the library. So this one comes with some stronger content considerations. This is called The Big Bathhouse by Kyle McClear and Gracie Zong. Zang. And this book is chock full of nudity, just like a Korean bathhouse. And so <laughs> <laughs> if Korean bathhouses are your family's thing, and I have friends where they they are, or if you're going back to Korea and you're going to be seeing family and you're going to this and you want to prepare your kids, this is a great book for that because it's, you know, it's sketches and there's amazing body positivity going on in these. Like nobody looks like a supermodel, (laughs) but um, there's just definitely a lot of tops that are visible above the water in a lot of these pictures and rear ends walking away from the pool. So I thought that this was, so here's the non-nudity picture. So here's everybody all dressed up. They've gone back to Korea to visit and she's so excited to be able to go to the bathhouses because she remembers them from the last time she was there and she just loves the female companionship and the girl time and just the camaraderie of the experience and so it's definitely if this is an experience in your life or something that you want to prepare yourself for maybe you are going to a bathhouse and you're like not really sure about what it's going to be about this walks you through the whole process very nicely but if your family is adverse to seeing a bunch of people's body parts that are not your own, this is probably not a good book for you. So this one was The Big Bathhouse. Those were those two. 
that just the one just seemed to lead right into the other and I was like oh these are great little ones to go together wow that yeah that's that's an experience I've never had (laughs) not sure I want to have I think I'd rather learn about it in a book (laughs) you can have your cultural experience in the nicely illustrated very honest picture book (laughs) oh man did you have more books Amanda Yes, I do. So one thing we are reading right now is I picked up some Dolch readers. Mm -hmm. So we're reading Dolch readers right now. My five-year-old is determined to start reading. And it's been interesting because I only have one other child and she learned to read a long time ago. And she liked very different things for learning to read. So those are great. We, I picked them up cheaply. It's not something I'd like go way out of my way to get. But it's it's nice to have variety, and it's it's we've had some really bad beginner readers, and these are surprisingly good. Yeah. And then another, I'll give you two here, two picture books that I like for springtime that I got from the library were Gerda Mueller's A Year Around the Great Oak, and this is also called another. I think it's just called the Great Oak. I'm have to look it up. There's this was published under a couple different titles in the U.S. Uh, it's not a U.S. original, but and we'll have this all the one, different titles in the show notes. Yes, this one is great for like for young child nature study. It just talks about the forest and this big old oak tree throughout the year, and you see the changing through the seasons and the animals who use it for shelter, and it's a, just a wonderful gentle nature study and to go along with it we also like where do they go when it rains which Mm. is also a nature study picture book for young children yeah uh also by Gerda Mueller I wish our library had more of her books but I will just settle for the ones they have right now (laughs) and this one is about all the insects and farm animals and domesticated animals and where, what the, what happens when it rains? Where do they go? Do they like the rain? Do they not like the rain? And I love that it's got an older cousin with two very young cousins and they go visit, the young cousins go visit their grandmother in the country and their, the older cousin lives with the grandmother and the older cousin takes them out to go exploring in nature and to go collecting. Uh, so it's just a lovely story and yeah. it, de- it helps you develop a really good interest in nature and what's out there. Yeah, I like that. I'll continue on the nature theme from my stack then. So I read this one this week, The Keeper of Wild Words. I loved it. Loved it so much. So it was written, the author note is really good and she talks about how she wrote this book in response to reading an article about how the Oxford Junior Dictionary had removed 100 natural words from its dictionary including analog cautionary tale or note and replaced it with words such as analog cautionary tale chat room database mp3 player and she (laughs) She said that at first she was angry and then disillusioned and ultimately very sad. But the beauty of being a writer is that you can create a world that you want to see. And I loved that. And so she wrote this book. And in this book, the grandma writes out a list of some of those words that had been removed 
that were disappearing. And she says, if we forget them, then they will disappear. And we are the keepers of the forgotten words. And so she wrote some of these words on a list and they go out into nature and find those words. So words like blackberry, beaver, fern, lavender, minnow, porcupine, starling, violet. And I loved how the grandma Mimi shows her how to pick mint. So they're doing the whole rubbing mint and smelling it. And they're seeing these animals and they're learning about animal safety. When they go into the woods, they um, very quickly accidentally come upon a porcupine. And the grandma tells the you know girl to freeze. And she does. And so um, she says, stop, walk back slowly towards me. So if you're out in nature with your kids a lot, like you need to learn obviously, you know, some good safety responses to things like if you see a snake or if you see, you know, a porcupine or something like that. So just having that modeled was really good. But I, I just like, I keep coming back to the first page because it opens with Mimi going to her grandma's house and it says, Brooke ran up to her grandmother's door, swung it open and she belonged. Mimi, I'm here. I'm just like, oh, that feeling of belonging. Like, you just feel like you belong with Brooke immediately. And you're like, Mimi, I'm here. <laughs> like, let's go on an adventure. And so I just, I loved how the author captured that. And the illustrations by Madeline Cloper, just beautiful. But I just really loved this for a nature book. And they there's a portion at the end where you can record your own words that are from nature that you want to make sure aren't lost to time by lack of use. So I thought it was a really, it's a really good invitation to get outside and find those words yourself and find words that are important to your family that you want to record also. And then another outdoor book, but on a different theme, is Sonia's Chickens. And I really liked this one. It is a interracial family. So the dad has the darker skin and the children do as well. And then the mom, I think the mom might even have red hair. She's incredibly pale. So the the contrast is not not one where you're left wondering very much. <laughs> so, um, And then the dad is very present as well. So I really liked the parents being active and present. And the little girl is raising chickens. And she's being affirmed by her family of what a good mom she is to them. And how well she's taking care of them. And one night she hears a noise outside. And she goes to check on her chickens and she's immediately regretting not bringing her dad with her and she gets into the chicken coop and her third chicken is nowhere to be seen and she bursts into tears before she knew it strong arms scooped her up and she cried into her papa's beard so her dad had followed her out and then he's helping her make sense of the whole event and he says what seems what might seem unfair to you might make sense to the fox And then he tells her the story about the fox who has to hunt. Like the fox is doing its job to be a good father and to make sure that his baby foxes aren't going hungry and taking food back to the mommy fox. And so she's able to just view it in a different way from just a malicious act. And then they have their little ceremony where they've made their memorial stones and they you know, her heart was heavy, but she mourned her chick. But as she mourned her chicken, she thought too of the happy baby foxes living deep in the woods. And then they go and they repair the chicken coops. So like they're doing their part to be good to their chickens, but realizing that 
you know, in life, this type of thing happens. And then it, it ends with rebirth and one of her eggs hatching. So she's going to have a new chicken. But I just really loved how active her dad was in processing this through with her. I feel like a lot of times we see the female characters having mm-hmm. the emotionally based conversations with the kids. But I really appreciated hearing the the dad's voice speaking speaking the truth to her and helping her process through her grief. So I really really enjoyed that story. Oh, that's sweet. Is that all you had or did you have I've got two more. Okay, great. Me too. I am reading right now. I am trying to be good about doing my reading challenge. My so first reading challenge ever. <laughs> I felt very challenged to finally do one. So The Thief is my book for a book that everyone has read except you. Have you read it? I have not. Okay. But I own it, so I think that kind of counts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm two chapters in so far. Three chapters? I think I might be three chapters in now. Uh, a little more swearing than I usually go for, so it's not something that I would just, you know, hand to my kid and be like, here, have fun. Uh, but so far I'm really enjoying the style and we'll see how I feel about it throughout the rest of the way. But it has amazing reviews on Amazon. I had not heard of it until my librarian, uh, was apparently watching everything I was checking out and returning and was like, you should really read this. Oh, <laughs> so, I love it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Yeah. And he even, e- he even emailed it to me. So I was nice. like, okay, so he must really like this yeah. book. So. So far, I really like the style, and we'll see we'll see how I feel about it towards the end. But then I, I have this conundrum. I keep starting these series for the, reading the first book for these right. reading challenges, and then I don't know how to fit in all the other books and oh. the other books I'm supposed to read for the reading challenges. So I think that you should just do what anyone would do if book one had just come out. And so just pace it. So next year you can see where book two will fit into the reading challenges. And then just read them like as if they were releasing one a year. It is hard. I Hey, I'm the queen of like watching the entire series start to finish in a weekend. So <laughs> I feel you. But That sounds really hard. It is hard. It is. But like get through your reading challenge and then you can read whatever you want for the rest of the year. Okay. Okay. Gorge. On the this is the... Series. Second book, I've read the first one in the series for the reading challenge, and then I I still have the rest of the series right. to finish. So we'll and see how that goes. Stop punishing yourself like that. Stop picking first books to series. Find some standalones. <laughs> I don't. I just gravitate towards the series. I don't know why. Yeah. I just do. It is nice. You get good good world building and full, yeah. fuller picture of all your characters. So then my last book. I asked for recommendations on Facebook for books about dogs. We just got a puppy. And this one was very fortuitous because our puppy has been chewing everything. Last night, she ate my daughter's flip-flops. But this one's called Chewy Louie. (laughs) And it is... (laughs) It's all about a puppy that chews everything. And I mean, like, everything. So... And the parents are... Much calmer than I am about it. 
They're like, yeah, it's a puppy. They chew everything. And really, everything in their house is getting ruined. Yeah. The the dog is just chewing absolutely everything. And they're like, we'll just buy a new bowl. We'll buy new trains. They have a lot more self-control than I have. <laughs> and it's about they try and get trainers, and that mm-hmm. doesn't work. And... Uh, they they try just every every which they everything they can try and they eventually everyone who is trying to help them with the puppy quits because it is just incorrigible. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day the the child is like, I am going to have my very last t- playtime with this dog because there's no way my parents are going to keep <laughs> letting me have it because it's just chewing absolutely everything. And so the dog or the child realizes that finally the dog is playing and has stopped chewing things. And then they they can keep the dog. And it's this too shall pass. <laughs> this too shall pass. It's really hard to remember that. And we finally reached the stage with our puppy where she's mm-hmm. not destroying absolutely everything. So it was just this too shall pass. It reminded me that there is an end. And I loved at the very end, there's like a little bite mark <laughs> out of the end paper. Because That's awesome detail. It's just, it's it's an awesome detail and it's just part of life yeah. with a puppy. So I needed that at this yeah. point just to, as a reminder. So it was very, very much a fortuitous moment that someone recommended that and our library happened to have it because yeah. they didn't have any of the other puppy books that oh, someone no. recommended. Well, so. good. I'm glad that the, the right one found you. Yes. I've really been enjoying how many scientists have been covered in picture book biographies in the last mm-hmm. year. And I just found these two that were new to my library. This one is Zhang Heng based on a true story by Randall McGee and Zhang Heng and the Incredible Earthquake Detector. So he makes this incredible dragon-headed device where it will detect which region of China an earthquake has just happened in by dropping a ball out of the dragon's mouth into a cup so that the big city can send help to that region faster than if they waited for someone from that region to come and ask for help. And so they were trying to figure out how to make something like this happen, how to, you know, create something that would detect that and no one could do it. And so they approached him and um, no one thinks he can do it. All the other wise people are very rude about everything and doubting him. And the art style is very cool. The person who, Randall McGee is in, it says he's the author of Papercraft Fun for Holiday. And I could totally see it because all of his illustrations look like hinges. Like every joint looks like they were paper people with hinges so he could position them properly and then just like take a picture of the piece of art is basically what the illustration style looks like. And it's just fascinating. And then this dream that he has about the dragons and the eggs also have like all the jointed dragons, right? So like everything has these little joint details, which is really cool. But when the device works, everyone doubts that it actually succeeded. And they're like, well, I don't, I didn't feel anything. I don't think there was an earthquake. I think that you're 
you know, contraption doesn't work any better than any of our contraptions did. And so he's like packing up to leave when someone from that region comes and is like, we had an earthquake and we need help. And so they were able to, to do that. And so I thought that was really cool. And then this one, The Bluest of Blues, is about Anna Atkins and the first book of photography. <laughs> photography. <laughs> I was going to say photographs, but then I thought it said photography. Thus, photography. But it does say photograph. Her first book of photographs. So she was the first, the first person, let alone woman, to publish a book of photographs. And she did it. She was this scientist. She had learned all sorts of really cool stuff from her dad. And the way the story is told is by year. So it'll have like a year and then basically a little journal entry of her life from that year and what she learned. And she was so highly educated by her father. And botany just became her job. And the whole story is in blue and white, except for the red of this poppy that the story opens with her dad pressing flowers with her in the field and she pressed a poppy. So this poppy in red follows through, but she received one of the first cameras ever made. She is, people credit her with most likely having, it says she's now acknowledged to be one of the first women in the world to ever take a photograph. And so then she learns this photography method to make cyanotypes and so she starts making them because she realizes they get even better detail than drawings and so this book at that point starts being full of those and so I wasn't even familiar with how it worked very much and so it's very clear on the process and then it talks about she had this thousands and thousands of different types of seaweed in her seaweed collection so she was able to make all these pictures and publish this book. So here's her poppy picture that she had taken that still has made it until today. But then at the end, and this is really fun, it tells you how to make them yourself. So it tells you where you can order these chemicals. And it talks about like safety because adults should be the ones handling the chemicals. But it gives you like the whole process of how to do it and really good descriptions about the illustrations versus the actual art incorporated into this book. But I really like blue and I thought it was so pretty just to look at the pictures and read that. And it was about somebody I'd never heard of before. So it definitely would qualify for most kids, if not adults, as their picture book biography about someone they'd never heard about before. Both of those would would work for a lot of people, I'm sure. I can't be the only one who didn't know about either of them. <laughs> I didn't. And then if I'm sharing one book that I have been reading currently, it's The Emperor's Riddle. And um, it is by Kat Zong. I need to figure out how to say this for sure so I don't like stumble over it every time because it's on like three books today. This Z-H-A-N-G. I think it's Zhang or Zong. Either I think way. so. I will learn and say it correctly, but this would be a book set, a mystery set in Asia for the reading challenge, and it's a brother and sister who, similarly to those other picture books, are children who have gone back home overseas to visit relatives for the summer, and the aunt goes missing on a treasure hunt, and so the children have picked up these treasure 
clues and are trying to find their aunt that no one really knows is missing because she left a note and (laughs) only the kids believe that she is possibly been taken with her map. And so they are trying to catch up with the clues, hoping that if they find the treasure, then they can trade the treasure for their aunt. So they are going through all these popular, what do you call them? Tourist? Yeah, touristy, you know, places that people go. (laughs) Places of interest when you're visiting this province in China. And they are learning about, so they, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll find the clue, but then they have some time to kill before their bus goes back or whatnot. So they're exploring the area and learning a little bit about it. And this author, I found this book because I absolutely loved The Memory of Forgotten Things. This is science fiction with like quantum time jumping type science fiction. So not not set in space, right? Set here, but it has mm-hmm. quantum physics stuff going on. But this book is exploring grief and whether you would jump to a different timeline, even if you could, and whether they would know you there and if things would actually be better in the way that you wish they would be if you hadn't lost the person that you loved. And so it's three kids from school working on a school project and they all have experienced their own losses in different ways. I thought it was beautifully told, like so well done. I didn't really feel like I was reading a middle grade fiction. One of my friends wrote a review on Amazon and said, this book is near perfection. And I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, I bet she said that because she didn't want to sound overly positive. But like her, I can't think of anything that wasn't perfect about it. Like it was so well written. <laughs> and That's just not so well told. Yeah, like I really enjoyed it. And it's, it has adventure in it, but you are not moving so fast you can't breathe. You know, sometimes it just, it's going so fast, the adrenaline rush just won't stop. But this had a really good pacing, which I felt was respectful of the fact that you can't rush through emotional processes. And so these kids, as they're feeling their feelings and figuring out what their path forward is in their their own individual experiences, I felt that it was, it was really, you could feel that in the pacing that this is, there's ups, there's downs, there's things that happen and that it was just really respectful of that and not, not just powering through. So I really liked her writing style. And so I got this second book of hers, The Emperor's Riddle, and I'm really enjoying it too. It's a good brother, sister relationship. It's good about exploring the family dynamics of meeting someone that you don't have anything against, but you don't know them either. (laughs) So her aunt is married to this really friendly, nice guy. And uh, the, the little girl just, when she's thinking about him, just refers to him as stranger uncle. Like she has nothing against him, but she also doesn't feel like pretending that she has a relationship with him when she doesn't. And so there's just that Mm -hmm. slowly warming up and not being rude, but not, overly engaging that she feels she's being pressured to do by her mom and brother. So just watching her pace into it herself is really realistic. Like watching my kids warm up to people, even that they know that they just haven't seen in a while. It feels, feels genuine. So I've been really enjoying that read and I'll probably finish it this afternoon. I was hoping to finish it before now, but I had my little, you know, situation with my girls earlier. So. <laughs> 
feed yep. into my reading time. So yeah, did you have any closing thoughts, Amanda? No, that was it for my books. All right, those were I gotta good get thoughts. to reading them. Yeah. So did you your goat book? Did you finish it, or did you just decide partway through to just give it up? I skimmed through it. Yeah. If you read enough goat books, they say a lot of the same things. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot with a lot of nonfiction books, if you read deeply on a subject, you you don't have to read it too closely. So I skimmed through it and gleaned what I could. Well, that sounds like I do that a lot of times, too. If I'm like not really getting into it, it's like, let's see if it has any new information for me anywhere that I wasn't expecting. And if it doesn't, then exactly. And stick to the first one I read that I liked better. All right. Exactly. Well, we just want to thank all of you for joining us today and listening to these books. If you have read any of these and have any comments on them, we'd love to hear it in the comments section. Otherwise, these books are all linked in the show notes. And if they had any content considerations, we just went ahead and included those for you there. And we encourage you to check out the show notes. In case we have any giveaways or promotions going right now, you would be able to find out about those there. That is, that's it for us for today. And remember, friends, the stories are truer than true. And we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.